Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another episode of the We Might Be Biased podcast. After a brief hiatus last week, uh, I have returned, uh, and I've returned triumphantly to uh, to to a. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is a, a very visual thing. <laughs> David is uh, is wearing what can I, 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 it looks like an old prospector. <laughs> David David has <laughs> David has grown a maize beard uh, as a result of that nothing but runs drive to start the game. Big Ten last football week. requires a commitment <laughs> to offensive line play. <laughs> So David just showed up on the video wearing this thing, so I apologize. It's not a very professional start. How are you guys doing today? Good. Doing great. Doing great. It's, uh, you know, good good to uh, be looking forward and have gotten through that that stretch of the revenge tour. That's right. Uh, so uh, I'm opening up. I'm opening up this podcast. I'm going to give you some numbers. Okay, these numbers are all are all are all uh, uh, correlated to one another. The numbers are five, thirteen, and three point five. David, you want to give it a stab? Uh, I was going to say that at least three point five was the GP I'd like to tell people I had in college if I had started off as strong <laughs> as I should have, but. I'm going to say five is uh, the the number of completions that uh, McSorley had in the game. Um, Thirteen, I believe, might have been Miles Sanders's um, total rushing, um, and then three point five. I'm going to guess is the uh, quarterback rating for Penn State uh, following the contest. That is uh, that. So the five is correct. Uh, five, the number of, of completions McSorley threw. Uh, Thirteen was the number of attempts, but Miles Sanders also had 14 rushing yards. Ah. So, uh, yes, yes, so you were one off there. <laughs> uh, and uh, 3.5, Trace McSorley's quarterback rating uh, in that game. A, uh, a clearly, uh, I, I'm not even sure like how injured he was. He looked maybe a little bit gimpy. Uh, but that's three quarterbacks in a row that people at varying stages of the football season from preseason to now have labeled the best quarterback in the Big Ten. And each have walked out of this game against Michigan with, I actually don't know if this is the case, single digit, I would imagine single digit ratings uh, I think, for all three. I think that's right. I think that's right. I, I don't know if that 3.5 is worse than Hornybrook, um, but it's really close. Right. And... Um, you know, we were, we were talking about this earlier, but the the highest number of completions uh, any team had in these last three games is uh, a grand total of seven. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of hard to overstate what this defense is doing right now. I mean, I know I know Lewerke was injured. I know that McSorley obviously wasn't at 100 percent, but uh, an, an injury does not explain away the performance those guys had against this defense. Yeah, and I think I think Hornibrook actually uh, body switches with me when he enters Michigan Stadium would be how I can explain his <laughs> last two performances in that building at least because that's about what I would probably be able to cobble together maybe with with his physical talent at least yep. and my mental panic. So <laughs> that, that so combined. Scott. Sorry, go ahead. All right, Scott. When was when was the moment, uh, so to speak, that uh, in this game where you said to yourself, "Okay, we, th- this one is won," because I have I have a specific one, and it's it has followed a theme every game of the season, starting with the Maryland game. Uh, so every game of the Big Ten season, when was your when was your moment? Um, the most assured I felt was when it got to a two score game. Um, but I would even be so bold as to say that when we got a, it wasn't a three and out. I mean, uh, McSorley made a beautiful throw on the very first play of the game. And then that was followed with a stuff and two straight sacks. So a four and out. Uh, and then, you know, a, a 75 yard march down the field with nothing but running the football was like, uh, frames Janklin, you're in trouble, my friend. You're you're in trouble. If <laughs> if we're going to be able to do that, there's no way this game's going to be close. And uh, it played yep. out that way. I mean, I, you know, we, we talked about those matchups 
uh, really the last two weeks about where our strength was and, and kind of what their weaknesses were. And um, I think we all kind of attenuated a little bit in terms of what our predictions were, but I think we all saw it being a fairly lopsided game despite Penn State being the number 14 team in the country. Absolutely. D- David, what did you think? Uh, I'm always a crazy person, and it, it, I have to wait till we're up by about three scores. So 21 to nothing was probably the moment for me, uh, based on how the defense was playing, even with a, you know, a, a long pass play or something, which was there because you know, Watson fell down on that one, but McSorley missed it. But uh, once, you, once this defense gets a three-score cushion, I'd, there's not many teams I would uh, think would uh, come back from that with, with the, the level they're playing at right now. Yeah. So. No, absolutely. And, and, I mean, this is the same thing that's happened. It's happened in almost every game. Uh, and I know that the uh, that the MGO blog guys have talked about it a lot too. But like the notion that y- y- normally, if we were to go into a game at halftime and the score is fourteen to nothing, you feel good about that. But like the second half is still going to be a competitive football game, and this game. Uh, and, and, and previous games to it, um, uh, starting with Maryland, it's been one of those things where, like, the scoreboard isn't uh, isn't the, the complete drubbing that the game is. But you just know this game. This game's over. You look at the yardage gains, the discrepancies there. You look at what the other team's been able to do, um, you know, offensively, and uh, and, and it's just it's just a complete. Uh, it's a complete, really, it's a really weird sensation to be in a game. That the scoreboard looks close, but uh, about midway through the first quarter, I was, th- I was saying this thing's, this thing's over. The, Penn State doesn't have it, uh, and, and so I, I thought that that was, uh, uh, that was very interesting. I think really you could even say from, from the, the point at which the, the, the we had the back to back sacks on the opening drive. You're going, hmm, it's going to be a long day. Uh, going to be a long day for, uh, for Penn State. Um, so, uh, what do you guys have a particular favorite Penn State um, fan fan base wine uh, from from the message boards or Twitter or, or, or otherwise? I I, I kind of uh, I've I've avoided that for the most part. I, I have I, I have not. <laughs> Oh man, I was I was lurking on Black Shoe Diaries and Blue White Digest all week leading up to this game, and just just sitting there, just enjoying every last bit of it. I mean, it, it, the swing from you know Vegas doesn't know what they're talking about. We're going to win this game, and this is going to show what kind of a a team you know Franklin has and McSorley, and it's just like. You know, they got to watch this guy make decisions game after game. And like, you know, I don't know how you rationalize watching it and being like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing. He doesn't. I mean, it's just but my favorite wine by far has been the uh, uh, how unclassy the uh, the revenge tour and the, uh, you know, Harbaugh at the end of the game challenging that fourth down. Uh, catch like get out of here you know <laughs> like we we've we've been right. up 49 10 and 42 uh 7 with the ball uh the last two times in Ann Arbor we've gently run the clock out and and you know let you escape without trying to run extra plays I think we threw six passes in the second half you know so that that in particular after what they did last year uh rings rings particularly hollow to me yeah I I say I would say I understand that sting of uh, and it, it takes a little bit, uh, but watching a coach and being like, "Oh, wait a minute," because <laughs> we've been there. Uh, so it ta- it takes a little yeah. while to be like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> so the best part is. There's 111,000 people screaming at him to call timeouts inappropriately because you knew it was going to happen, and and he, and he didn't he didn't even wait one series to do it. Like it was fourth and 17 on, on his very first possession, and he called timeout to prevent a five yard loss to to go ahead and punt the ball, and that wasn't even the worst timeout of the half. You know, little I was just not oh, even man. not even the excuse ah. of not wearing a headset. So that was maybe that was. Maybe that was Brady Moke's smart thing. Was it like, oh, we'll put a headset on and maybe that'll help. He doesn't have that step to take. So there you go. Yeah, that's true. 
That's true. Mastin, <laughs> did you have a favorite? Uh, did you come across anything in particular on your uh, Schadenfreude tour? I'm sure I butchered that well, pronunciation. It wasn't. It wasn't anything necessarily in particular. It, but but the the overwhelming desire to the, of Penn State fans to in some way punch Jim Harbaugh in the face. Um, and that they expressed over Twitter was was I I thought just just this weird juxtaposition of like that's a guy that I actually don't think you want to punch in the face yeah. at all yeah like, <laughs> well it's and, and it's gone from so they've had a year of being like oh he's not a good coach because they won to like right. back to reality to actually he's an outstanding coach and you know he's he, Franklin's one and four against Michigan and also one and four against Michigan State and Ohio State it's like they have to revert back to something else to try to make up to be all blustery about him and it's just like ah that's not the fight I would be fighting you, about you don't you. punch an adult man that has his right. own baseball mitt to bring to baseball games and his own well broken <laughs> in pair of football <laughs> cleats that get uh, frequent use that would be my I, right <laughs> I mean do you guys, I, I, and I don't know if you heard Brian earlier this week on, on his podcast, but it was, it, he summed it up so greatly, and I want to give him appropriate credit, but that, that first drive on offense for Michigan was the ultimate, like, raw type of, like, you know, I mean, it was just a, like, you know, they're down for the count on the first drive. Like, to just sit there and run the ball and, and pick up the, the chunks that they did and to punch it into the end zone and, and just... It was a will breaker to use a Keith Jacksonism in the first quarter. You know, that's that's what we've been hoping for four years for. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So, to dive into the uh, the particulars of the play there uh, of of how we played, um, I thought that uh, for, first of all, uh, who's who's the offensive MVP of this team right now? I think it's got to be Karan Hickman. Uh as an individual, maybe I'd have I'd have a hard time not getting the group of the offensive line together because the improvement that yeah I was going to be outside the box and say Ed <laughs> Werner, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're, well, but, yeah. but on field on field I think Higdon Higdon is right up there with Patterson. So you can attribute this to the offensive line certainly, and I think that there's there's a fair amount of credit that goes to that you know, goes to that group of players. Uh, in terms of how they're starting to run block, but uh, again, you know, Karan Higdon goes twenty carries, one hundred and thirty-two yards, uh, and he starts popping them off at six, six and a half per carry. Um, you know, this is I, I think no longer quietly putting together one of the best uh, running back seasons that we've seen uh, since since Mike Hart. Um, I'm starting to wonder whether or not Karan Higdon doesn't back his way into a Heisman invite as the token running back. Uh, who, who gets invited to New if, York? If he has a huge performance in Columbus and um, Lord willing the the Big Ten championship game, I think you could very easily see that. Um, you know what? What was our play distribution this last game? I think we had seventeen. It was seventeen or eighteen passes to like fifty four rushes. Mm-hmm. You know, and like yeah, seventeen uh, passes. And and like you said, Higdon. I mean, he's got the nation's longest hundred yard game streak going right now at seven games. Um, he's been a consistent workhorse, but he's also a guy who can who can bust it. I mean, I it's 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 weird because watching it, it doesn't feel like that Chris Perry senior season, you know. But he's putting up those kind of numbers. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if it got too much nationalist, barring like a two hundred yard performance in like back to back in in Columbus and in the in the Big Ten championship game. I think that he does he doesn't fumble. He do, he never mm-hmm. fumbles the ball. Yeah, right. Well, I'm knocking on wood as we speak. But he didn't he, lose that he, fumble. He, so I guess I didn't care. <laughs> well, okay, yes, right. I, I mean, he 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 uh, protects the ball very well, uh, and uh, and and honestly, uh, he's starting to be. He's starting to be a guy who you can rely, who can reliably churn out yards, and that's not to say. I mean, Chris Evans had 12, 12 carries uh, this last game. Shea Patterson yeah. rushed the ball eleven times. Um, mm-hmm. Right, and so there, there was a almost a hundred yards, ninety nine yards between Chris Evans and Shea Patterson running the ball as well, uh, and and you still have Karan Higdon, you know, being absolutely sort of the the workhorse here, uh, and and I've loved to see him to see him sort of develop uh, and, and play here. Uh, normal day, I would I would call it for Shea. Uh, 
uh, 11 for 17 for 144 yards. Uh, he did throw two touchdowns, including the ball that he didn't throw uh, to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones in, in the corner of the end zone uh, previously. He threw that ball, and it was caught uh, for a touchdown. Uh, and so you know, Shea, Shea, I thought, played really well. I'm starting to wonder when uh, when guys are are other teams going to figure out that he can keep the ball and that it's legal for him to run forward. <laughs> Hope, hopefully, I, I really thought it would have happened in the la- right. one of the last two games, but no. How different? How different right. are we talking about his performance this week? Uh, well, not us, but nationally, if that Tariq Black touchdown counts. And it shouldn't have. It was an obvious hold. But, I mean, that was just a gorgeous throw on the dot. You know, another 45-yard touchdown, and all of a sudden they're talking about, you know, 12 throws, three touchdowns, 189 yards or something. like. like I mean, his efficiency, his numbers aren't going to pop out, but we're not asking him to go out and do that yet. Um, but in terms of running the offense, I mean, I think – especially in the keep uh, give game as far as the quarterback reads. I think he largely made um, correct decisions this week. And really, uh, like you said, hit Donovan Peoples-Jones on that one he had deferred on before. There was only one throw that I was like frustrated with, and that was the one he almost lateraled to Evans uh, on the on the 90-yard drive we had in the third quarter um, that ended up working out just fine. But, you know, it was one of those where he had a couple options and just kind of seemed to freeze, but... Right, and so, uh, so Shea, we didn't ask him to to do all that much, but but uh, I mean, g- given the fact that there there were so many carries in the game, uh, he came out and in uh, in the the early or the, not the early I should say the buzz around Shea Patterson this week has been uh, he's leaning on coming back to school, right. Uh, and so yes, uh, and so that <laughs> two thumbs up for uh, those of you who can't see us. <laughs> The idea of Shea Patterson, I think, running this offense uh, with a years of ex- a year of experience with uh, now upperclassmen receivers, uh, with uh, an offensive line that I think has played uh, well above what we thought they would this year, but but is will be de- further enhanced and developed, I think, into next year. I think that that's truly scary uh, for for the Big Ten. Um, Yo, especially yeah, when I you think it did take him a little bit of time. Especially but, when you line that up with the schedule we have next year. I mean, that's right. So, but yeah, the development. And he's has already been, starting to do things. Like he's already starting to kind of get. You can see him starting to settle in. Uh, you know, no receiver had more than three catches. Uh, yeah. Donovan Peoples Jones had had three catches, right? But he's distributing the ball. Nico Collins with two catches. DPJ three. Chris Evans three. Zach Gentry two. Karan Igden one. He's starting to he's starting to spread the ball around a little bit, uh, and and starting to I think go through uh, his progressions. The one I wish he had back was the was the screen pass that they had set up uh, beautifully uh, over to over to Karan Higdon that he just sort of airmailed it. Yeah, and I'll give the the Penn State defensive end some credit there. I mean, he got enough pressure, I think, to alter the throw. But man, the play was set up just beautifully, and and it may have gone, you know, based on the guys he had out in front of him. Yeah. They- um, but I think I and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but like I find myself having to remind myself this is his eighth game with the team, right. you know, and so right. like. We're talking about him as if he is this Heisman candidate and he's been, you know, he's gone through the ranks and everything else. It's like, no, he's been with the program for these eight games and he's gone from, you know, having to basically figure things out in South Bend without really any protection whatsoever at all to, um, you know, go through the fan base whining a little bit and kind of the doldrums part of the schedule about how boring our offense was looking and now we're churning out 400 yards and we're, you know, making it look fairly pedestrian and, and doing it while sitting here saying, Hey, there's still stuff that they can improve on. And there's stuff I'm sure they haven't shown yet, you know? And, uh, it's, it's just impressive to see what he's been Number able to do. Number one rated quarterbacks are good to have, I would say. <laughs> yes. As it turns out. <laughs> no. And I, 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 I'm as not, it turns out, that's absolutely I, I think right. it's good that he's, well, at least the scuttlebutt is that he's thinking about coming back. I'm not going to probably think about it too much because, you know, if he has some, you know, explosion in the last three or four games of the season, you know, we've seen similar things, and then, you know, your, your stock goes up and you jump. But uh, 
I think he has enough to improve on, and I think he's got the, certainly got the talent that if he can put a full season together like we think he's capable of doing, that would improve uh, his draft stock from where it is right now, at least. So, ho- yeah, hopefully that's something he's thinking about. But uh. Yeah, what a change in, in terms of the uh, quarterback room from one year to the next. If you look at the depth and yeah. everything going forward. Well, and we should and we should talk a little bit about um, uh, about McCaffrey breaking his collarbone. You guys yes. worried about that? That's yeah, it sucks. Because <laughs> I would I would argue McCaffrey is a very viable. This offense can do everything um, that that Shea is doing. Perhaps not to the same degree of proficiency yet. Uh, but the breadth of the playbook is available to McCaffrey, and uh, I've liked what I've seen out of his arm, and, and his legs are just as good, if not better, than than Patterson's. Um, whether Peters allows us to have that same dynamic if he has to come into a game kind of remains to be seen, and that's not a knock on Brandon Peters. It's just from what we've seen of McCaffrey so far this year, uh, I, I'm comfortable with him, you know, in in the game and and taking those snaps, uh, we haven't seen that same level of production yet from from Brandon Peters. Yeah, and I think I think uh, Peters. I think throwing the ball. I don't. I think he's got the talent to do you know all those throws. I think the problem is we've seen how much our offense relies on the, the you know the shape the the QB keep or the, you know the, those zone those zone read plays, and we saw McCaffrey do that with some pretty serious success. But I don't. I, I don't, I know, and, and you know, not that that's anything wrong, but I don't, that's not really Brandon Peters's skill set necessarily. I think he's got some movement, but it's much more on the Wilton Spate scale as opposed to the Shea Patterson end. So, I, I just think, like, I think sure. he, I think he could be a functional, you know, I, you know, I think, and I think he probably got a raw deal with how he was forced in last year with the line we had, and you know, the receivers being being young and kind yeah. of uncoached, but. So I think I, I think he can be much better than we've seen, but I think it would it would definitely limit the cap uh, that this uh, the the ceiling that this offense has uh, in terms of. I mean, the fact that Harbaugh said in his press conference that the backup quarterback position is now an open competition between Peters and Joe Milton, um, as as much as I think Joe Milton's going to win. Uh, 30, 30 Heisman's while <laughs> while playing at the University of Michigan, and and throw ball over them them their mountains. Um, I, I think that that's a I think that that's a warning bell, uh, a little bit that that maybe Peters didn't didn't quite impress enough in in camp and everything else to be able to say okay well, uh, you know McCaffrey's down next guy next you know next guy is up is 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 Brandon Peters and we're going to go from there. I couldn't suss out whether or not I should be reading into that or whether that's just sort of Harbaugh coach talk um, about competition and all the other things that, that I, Harbaugh likes to talk about. I tend to lean towards that if he's saying it, he means it, you know. And so I think yeah. you can probably take that to mean. I mean, Milton's gotten in a game already this season. I mean, we kind of lamented the plays that he got to run while he was, while he was in there. Um, but I, I, if he says it's a competition, I mean, I, two 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 questions I had one, if Milton, let's say Milton has to play, does he still have a red shirt alive? Because we'd only have three seasons, three games left in the season. So he could play and still red shirt. Um, the other thing is the Rutgers game is coming at a very nice point in the season in terms of, uh, if we take care of business in the first half, the backup should get a half of football to actually get game action in, um, yep. and you know, and at least get to run through the offense and run some plays. I mean, I would hope that we keep things fairly close to the vest and, and don't need to be doing a ton of stuff, but we should hopefully be able to get the backup some experience this week. Yeah, I, I think referring to yep. it as a competition for me, I, I I tend not to to believe anything said in a press conference in a press conference setting. Uh, and I, you know, it, it could very. I think it is probably a competition, but that doesn't mean there isn't a guy who's ahead, and especially a guy who started multiple games last year. I, I think I, I think we'd have a Harbaugh would probably have a hard time doing that. Uh, but but you, yeah, you never know. Uh, people have been excited about Milton, but they, I think that would limit even more the 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 play set you could have. Even though he would has, I think it looks like he has more of the running capability along with the throwing. Uh, I think just. 
you know, what, what we've seen of the number of different varieties of plays in this offense, expecting a true freshman to be able to do a big part of that yeah. would be difficult, I think. So. Right. And do you think, uh, so, so the, a big part of this uh, is, well, first of all, Shea, Shea Patterson took a hit, actually. It was, uh, it was that play where he actually made a cut and made a guy miss in the hole a little bit uh, mm-hmm. on a keeper and then ran up and, and gained, I don't know, 10 or 12 yards and, and took a pretty, a pretty good lick. Uh, is, it, Andrew Luck had this problem when he, when he played for Harbaugh and, and continued to have the problem uh, as, as he played for the Colts. Uh, Harbaugh quarterbacks do not slide. Uh, they do not know how to slide. Uh, sliding is not what Jim Harbaugh wants his quarterbacks to be doing, and so uh, I worry a little bit. As as and admittedly, I don't think that this is going to be an issue against Rutgers, uh, uh, if only because I think we're probably going to shelve a lot of the a lot of these quarterback reads and things like that for a bit. But like. Uh, I think that uh, Shea might want, might want to slide a little bit more as uh, as now McCaffrey's done for, for ostensibly for if, the season. I, I don't think that's been If confirmed. we remember back but. to Harbaugh's first season, Jake Rudock started the season sliding and then got, like, annihilated four times. Because, <laughs> like... Yeah, I, I, none sli- of which were I, called I, targeting, I actually, by like, the way. Not no, a single exactly, one of them was I, called like, Sliding actually seems well, to present more okay. of a danger to me than... than tackling. So. I, I, I do think Matthew's point yeah. is valid, though, in terms of... Let's lessen his exposure at, at, at where yeah, we can yeah. these next two games because how long has it been since we've gotten into the Ohio State game with a healthy starting yeah. quarterback? It's been uh, uh, right. too long, you know. And, we, and um, we've seen that game plan against so the against get the worst there. teams, right? Because we we were wondering early on in the season, is he ever going to run the ball? So so hopefully they go back to that. Right. Yeah, I agree. Right. Though. Yeah. And uh, speaking of targeting. Uh, I, he, he, here's my read. So, so Donovan Peoples Jones uh, makes an attempt on the ca- attempted catch and gets lit up. And, and admittedly, I think that uh, uh, I don't know that forcible contact was made to the head. But, but my read of the situation is that like he launched right. I mean, I mean, yeah. Is it is it launching? Is it the contact? Is it like like it just feels like targeting roulette? And honestly, I, I was I'm fine with that being targeting because he launched. I'm fine with it not being targeting because he didn't make contact to the head and neck. But like I would like some consistency around this call, and and we're just clearly not getting it. Uh, uh, you know, even the announcers were like, "Yeah, he's gone," and you know, then it's just like, "Okay, second and ten. You know, yeah, um, I, 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 I was kind of flummoxed in terms of, I mean, the guy's intent was obviously to try to knock the ball out and the ball just didn't happen to be there, you know? Um, and you're right. I mean, right. he didn't hit him in the head, but he launched up into a defenseless player. Um, we have definitely And if you're seen, trying to, yeah, if you're trying to legislate that type of hit out of the game, right? then you have to start measuring intent in some ways, right? Well, that was here's a, where, here's where the, the penalty is really stupid to me. So like they called it targeting, and then they review it, and then they're saying no penalty whatsoever at all, right? And, like, I, right. that's the first time in a long time I've seen that. I always thought the review was um, you get to stay in the game or you're ejected. And so, like, get rid of, like, have it be a 15-yard a penalty, and then if it's obviously egregious, you can tack on and eject. But get rid of this auto-ejection. Call it a penalty as it is, yeah. and then if you want to review it to see if the guy needs to be, you know, do something from that standpoint. But... The consistency, to it, I, I'm okay with them, like you said, not calling that targeting, but it still should have been, I right. mean, it was a hit on a defenseless receiver. It still should have been a 15-yard penalty, but the kid should have gotten to stay in the game. And um, right. I didn't understand how it kind of shook out the way it did. Yeah, I... I there were a couple weird officiating I, I guess, things. Yeah, Go I, ahead, I, David. I, I, I guess I would, uh, you know, if obviously consistency is the, the biggest thing, but if, if they can... Look at contact first. I think I would probably prefer that. Like, I, I agree that intent has to be an aspect of it, but that would probably be the next bullet point for me. So, because, okay, you know. But, yeah, yep. it, the, the hits on defenseless players, like, uh, is, is probably the would have been the biggest thing there. So maybe you make that a, a separate, a new personal foul penalty or something, and yep. you can add targeting to that if need be. 
But. Well, I think, Mastin, you, you touched on a really, uh, I, I think the best way to look at this is, is this a hit that we don't want in the game of football? Yes or no, you know, and right. like that, you know, some of the routine plays where a guy has happened to be going down and a, a defender who originally was aiming at the guy's hips now happens to hit him in the shoulders. That's part of the game. But the but the launching and the obvious kind of contact with the upper t- to the neck head area, those are the hits I think they're trying to get out, you know, and I, you know, I it's just frustrating because it is so inconsistent, week to, inconsistent week to week. Yep. So uh, real quickly before we move on and talk a little bit about the defense, I do think that uh, the offensive line is legitimately good, right? Uh, they have, uh, you know, we, we, they, they have Yeter uh, Grossmatos and Sharif Miller, both, both defensive ends. Uh, Grossmatos has been playing at, uh, I think, probably a, uh, if not, if not all conference level, close to it. Right, and I don't remember them being particularly disruptive um, in in the game, and and certainly, you know, for, from a recorded statistics standpoint, you know, Gross Matos had three tackles, Sharif Miller had two tackles, uh, you know, Gross Matos did get the one sack where where it was sort of an okay time to take that sack and yeah, that was almost more Patterson life. giving himself up. Yeah, right, right. Um, I didn't. Th- I didn't recall them being particularly disruptive in this game. Uh, the offensive line is good. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, it's it's not a road grading. You, you know, we'll talk about this twenty five years from now. But like, when you look at where they were and where they are now, and even within the season with what they've done, I mean. You know, we we spent the whole first week talking about, oh man, is Mayfield going to be ready to step in, and can Hudson perhaps play? And and turns out Warner knows what he's doing. You know, and man, they I, like you look at what they've done on the ground. I mean, Penn State had the number twenty one S and P plus overall defense. Mm-hmm. Michigan State had the number one overall rushing defense to S and P plus. Wisconsin was ranked in the top twenty, and we've just ground those teams to pulp. You know, and and protected the quarterback while doing so. So I I think you have to. I think it feels weird to say it because it's been a couple of years, but like they're good. You know, it's not a mirage. They're good. Yes. Do you remember after the Notre Dame game, uh, they, they asked they asked Harbaugh in the press conference, you know, what, what do you feel about your offensive line? And he goes, I think I'll stick with the guys we've got, yeah, or something of that of that nature. And and everyone went, Whoa! What did you watch the game? What are you talking about? And yeah, it turns exactly. out that the guy who coaches the team and sees them every single day <laughs> might might have a better sample size than than our um, you know brief brief moments. Uh, Boy, they did get abused. John Runyon would have walked a good amount of the way back uh, to Ann Arbor had I been. (laughs) (laughs) You would have bottom-nighted him, Dave? (laughs) (laughs) Dave would have given him an alternate location for the bus. Although I think we we did see an example (laughs) of how not to answer that question uh, this weekend. If you guys saw the LSU uh, press conference, Ed Orgeron just said, I have to recruit better players. And it's like, oh. Yeah, I did. I did see that. Oh, wow. That'll keep Say, the enjoy team together. that team meeting on Monday, my friend. <laughs> that that was the the version of uh, Brian Kelly being like, "Well, not all these guys are my guys. I didn't recruit a lot of weird guys. A lot of weird, weird guys out there. Guys Wait, it's not there. the last game of, of the season. Guys. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> But but you know what's hysterical? My only interaction with Ed Orgeron and and that press conference was actually a clip I saw on Twitter of somebody put up, and it said Ed Orgeron remains undefeated oh. against <laughs> closed captioning. <laughs> <laughs> the poor the poor typist of the closed caption. It's like. It's like uh, you know, ice pick. Uh, 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 you know, well, we just had an ice pick and a hammer, and it's like, what, you, what does that even mean? I don't even know what that means. And yet, and, every and person yeah, so, who's a fan of that team is like, that's damn right. That's damn right. Yeah, you know, 
Absolutely. Although it was fun, I follow a few LSU, and I've got some friends who are big LSU fans uh, living down there and everything. And, and L- an LSU, a good LSU meltdown about how bad the offense is is, is really kind of fun to watch because <laughs> you know they're hammered and relatively uneducated. So, like, I mean, it's really gets, uh, get, gets going. Their offense is brutal. Uh, it's brutal. Let's <laughs> shift gears here to the defense. Uh, uh and so defense almost pitches a shutout. You could see in uh, Don Brown's eyes how badly he wanted that shutout because they, they score that touchdown and, and it pans over to Don Brown. And he's like kicking dirt on the sidelines. <laughs> our, so uh, our, our, but, go-to, uh, our go-to taunt in the stands uh, for the few remaining Penn State fans that were near us and good-natured, of course, was, uh, ah, Don Brown's going to wake up every morning now for the next year thinking about that drive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. Uh, I wanted that shutout bad. I'm not going to lie. I really yeah. wanted that shutout. I'd say I was totally fine with them reviewing that. That kid made a heck of a catch on that fourth down play, but I was totally fine with them being like, oh, let's take another look at that, you know? Yep. Um, so they got another pick on what on what I'm, I'm increasingly being able to identify as that sort of zone trap coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought that was neat. Uh, if, if anything else, and then they also got a pick on Scott. You're 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 crowning it, the the, the pick, the worst throw you've <laughs> ever was, seen in college it is, football. It's, <laughs> no, it's it's not Stanley Jackson bad, but it is it is in the discussion of uh, we I lived mean, through the O'Corn era, I, Scott. I, I, I just want to remind you, you. Well, and there were some. Goal, so goal Nate line. Stanley's last week, this one, and Stanley Jackson's were all like, oh. Because, like, so they were going away from us, right? And we sit in the corner of that end zone, and, like, he's rolling towards our corner. And, like, you kind of gaze up, and I, like, I see three Michigan defenders, but I also see the deeper guy, and I'm like, oh, that guy's kind of open. And then he lets the ball go, and you're like, well, who the hell is he throwing it to? And, and yep. all of a sudden, Watson's got it, and it was – I, I think he probably just double-clutched at the last second and, you know, ended up just... So, if I may, uh, being being the the really sort of exemplar athlete that I am, I play in a in a men's adults slow-pitch softball league. Okay. And, and in this softball league, I wanted to set the stage right here, I play right field, okay. which is where you stick the guy who can't throw and can't catch... And can't really run. You put him in right field, if you know. Every once in a while, there's a left-handed batter that comes up and oh. really and gets you on your toes. Like right? Glares. <laughs> right. The reason the reason I'm saying this is is I'm standing out there. There's a runner on third. I'm in right field, and I'm going. You know what? If he hits a fly ball to me and I catch this, I'm gunning this thing I'm home. This guy I'm, get, I'm You're getting Vlad this guy Guerrero, out. This guy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes. 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 I am Yasiel Puig in right field at this moment. Right. And I'm ready for it. Sure enough, the damn ball. It gets hit right to me, right? So I'm I'm under it. I'm I'm going, I'm throwing home, man. I'm gunning this guy down. Uh, I catch the ball and I go to throw home with all my might, right? And right when I'm doing it, somebody from the infield yells, "Hit the cutoff or cutoff, cut, 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 or something like that." And my brain is throwing home, but my arm is throwing to the cutoff man, and it just went. Dead in the middle where no one is standing at all, like in the middle of the infield, like we're between the first baseman and the pitcher. And it just sort of landed with this like terrible, like, like just flaccid thud in the middle of the infield. And my, my reason for telling this story is, is that, that I have been uh, Tommy Stevens in this case. I know exactly what you, happened. You understand. His brain saw the deep guy. His brain saw the deep guy, but the arms saw the short guy, and it just flaccidly went to... The, right to the wrong no. guy, and, yeah, and exactly. so like actually, I call it, right when it happened. I was just like, to, "Yep, I I know that. To, I, to I know credit, exactly Matt, what happened." Someone there. been yelling at me about a cutoff man in an adult men's softball league game. I would have turned around and thrown it over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> so, so credit yeah. to you for continuing to. Dave would have been like, "That's two. That's two. <laughs> yeah. Cut off, man. It was it was not covering myself in in glory that day. It was it was a uh, it was a bad throw. It got it got past the line of scrimmage. Better than Stanley Jackson's to me. 
That's true. Stanley Jackson's is a, <laughs> is near and dear to the heart. That was a that was a bad one. Ugh. You know, at, at the end of the day, I don't really care how how injured Trace McSorley was. Or I had people, I had Penn State fans come up telling me that Tommy Stevens was better than Trace McSorley. Like, it doesn't, it, it just doesn't matter against this defense. He could they're, be they're better. Not their coach won't know what to do with him. So, I mean, it doesn't really make much <laughs> of a difference. I mean, we talked about it last week. Uh, you know, Dave and I really kind of talked about it. Joe Moorhead was that team for two seasons. And he's not there anymore. And look what Mississippi State's doing and look what Penn State's doing. I mean, I... Franklin's credit, he's been a good recruiter, and he has previously gotten a decent staff. But if he doesn't recruit another guy to handle the offense, his in-game management and ability to game plan, uh, he's going to get out-coached every single Saturday by the upper echelons of this conference. And, you know, it's it's borne out in his five years here so far. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I I think – I'm trying to come up with with a corollary to what to to who James Franklin is because in, in the in game as an in game coach he he's, he is just he's worse than Brady Ho. I'd rather have he's, Brady Ho at least it's Ron Zook at least yeah but uh, yes but if you look at their records Ron Zook was really bad he was worse than you remember him being <laughs> uh, I remember him being pretty bad but but. He was also right. in Illinois. But so okay, a, let me be yeah. more specific. He's Ron Zook at Florida, not like end of the career Ron Zook, but like Ron Zook at Florida. <laughs> How, however, he ended up at Florida, I really still don't quite understand. But like, <laughs> I, you, you're, but yeah, it's like Brady Hoke still had that 2011 season where like every decision in a game management standpoint was generally correct. Like, oh, we're going for it on fourth down on the 35. Yes, and, you know that sort of stuff. And like, I. I can't really remember. I mean, we've seen some bad time management in our years here, but, like, the stuff that he's done. Like, remember that 2014 game? He called a timeout to avoid a delay game on his own one. He would have lost a half yard, and it allowed us to have a Hail Mary (laughs) to end that. You know, and he did the same thing again this year. I mean, it's fourth and 17. He could have let the clock run down, and he calls timeout and saves Michigan a whole minute at the end of the first half when we didn't have a timeout left, you know, and... Uh, he was actually really fortunate that we weren't able to actually do something with it because we got the ball to start the second half. Now, who did would you, you think? Who would you what, compare him to? I, I I don't have a great comparator. Um, I would compare him to John L. Smith. Oh, that's good. I wish I had thought of that. That's really good. Will he? Sla- okay. Th- Will say, he slap until, himself? Uh, yeah, until he slaps before himself. He's done it, I before he's done at Penn State. I don't know if I can put that label on anybody until there's self harm. Uh. Dave, oh, well, I'm your not saying hot. that he's as self. <laughs> I'm not saying he's as self deprecating as John L. Smith was, but but John L. Smith at 2001 took Louisville and went went 11 and two. Had had a phenomenal season. Won the conference. Uh, he'd won the conference previously at Louisville at six and one. He takes the step up to Michigan State. Inherits a uh, uh, you know a team that no one really thinks very highly of. And then and then just sort of sort of treads water. But like if you look at John L. Smith f- between his his late Louisville successes and then his early Michigan State, like you know he took a team you know that was you know eight and five. Uh, uh, you know, to to the Alamo Bowl and things like that. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I like the John L. Smith comparison. I like that. Plus, one. like he's I gonna think. do something stupid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, John L. Smith was a better interview. <laughs> he was a better, especially yes. especially that that halftime interview in Columbus where they got a blocked field goal or something. They didn't get it done, and oh. the coaches are <laughs> killing the team. It's just yeah. oh man. <laughs> Oh man, he was a treasure. He was a treasure. It's so, beautiful. I, I did you it's, also notice? Sorry, while we're talking about uh, Franklin, so did you happen to see the uh, the picture? I don't believe, and someone correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we've worn white gloves ever. <laughs> and yeah. Franklin comes out with that, you know, really kind of side eye inducing statement of like, "Oh, their guys clutch and grab and blah blah blah." And, you know, KJ Hamler's like, "I think everybody does that, coach." And uh, Michigan responds, 
by having white gloves for the white jerseys that they're going to play. And yeah, he got one know, token call, and that was it. You know, he got it though. Yeah, I know he. But but like, what's more frustrating about that is he got his stupid flag. Yes, and it wasn't even a good call. They they were. Yeah. The, the, the Penn State receiver has a hold of Metellus's jersey at one point and is stretching it. I'm not saying it's a foul on him. I'm saying that like that is a no call every Correct. single day of the week. That's a let them play. Um, They've both established some hand fighting. Nobody's like taking the other guy to the ground. It's an incomplete pass. At minimum, that is an Ambry Thomas know. pass yep. interference call. And Ambry Thomas was not on the field. You <laughs> saved that for right. Ambry Thomas. That's thank right. you. <laughs> Broke <Yeah>. his streaks. <laughs> And it's too bad, speaking of Ambry Thomas, uh, that uh, that his return got called back because that also was not a penalty. That was a great block uh, where I, I forget. I, is it, was it Ross? I, they who, called I don't it know on who was 12. The block, but they and were, I, think, I assume yeah. it had to be Ross probably. Say, like, hey, yeah. And he just drives him into the, the ground. Is there a way to get players so. to stop interacting with other players when they're 20 yards away from the play, though? Can we, can we do that? Because, like... I've seen plenty of, like, real penalties, and it's like, you aren't even, like, what? Are we waiting? Is this because of film room? They're like, ah, oh, good effort. Is that it? It's, like, what do we have to do to, like, the, like half these blocks in the backs are like, you're, he's 10 yards past you. Let's just, we're, we're done. That, that part of the, we're, we're good. Yeah. Just. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it follows my theory sometimes of punting, which is like you just kick it out of bounds if this guy's remotely dangerous theory of punting. Like, just don't even give him the chance, you know. Um, speaking of kickoffs, though, can we talk about Ben Mason on, on kickoff coverage? Because <laughs> that was, I mean, if there's a better embodiment of where this team is right now, you know, A, our fullback comes in on that opening drive and the crowd goes absolutely insane and is chanting his name. The fullback, I'll remind you. We fake it to him <laughs> and walk in untouched, which is beautiful. And then, you know, at least two kickoffs during the game, he runs over like four dudes and makes the tackle. And like, I, you know, I mean, he is like, I can still name. Do you guys remember the fullback for West Virginia when Richard was there? They called him the beer truck. Uh, Owen, uh, Schmidt. Owen. Owen, Owen Schmidt, Schmidt, I think. Yep. 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 So like he's that level of fullback now, like he's in the Mike Allstott, not from a production level, but from like a Paul Bunyan. Yes, that's on purpose. Paul Bunyan, uh, like <laughs> level of lore. Like that's where Mason is. Like, it, you know, I mean, he's just, he's just a beast. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say about him. Uh, so, any other thoughts on defense in particular, like other than you know, than, than you know, they were good again. Um, Brandon Watson is being underrated. I'm I'm adjusting my Metellus is the uh, you know unspoken star of the defense to uh, Watson. What he's been able to do as the third corner and in, in, in defense of these slot guys in particular, he's been outstanding this year. Dave, for the. Sorry, for the defense, is that what we're talking about? Uh-huh, yeah. I got off on a little thought. Tangent there was here. the beard. What was it's your a, thought? It's kind of itchy, so I was doing a good scratch. Uh, <laughs> so defensive MVP, is that what we're... No, anybody. just anybody who's jumping out on okay. the defense. I've been meaning to bring this up for a while, and it may not exactly apply, but I wanted to call... Uh, I call oh, attention to, to Brad Hawkins, and I like a, as a as a guy who was recruited and then had to take a prep year. You don't usually see those guys, one even make it to Michigan, and two, look like they're going to be solid contributors. And I know he hasn't he hasn't played much in recent weeks, but I was very impressed and kind of happy to see him. Uh, looks like he's succeeding uh, on the football field, and also like you know making it at the University of Michigan is not a, you know not a small feat. Uh, you know we've seen a, a number of. A number of guys have struggled with that, so I wanted to. Well, there's been, uh, I mean, you, yeah, Hawkins is is an example of one, but also mm-hmm. Watson, right? I mean, I mean, it was getting it was getting pretty late, yeah, for Watson to be a contributor uh, on the team, uh, and so I, I think that that has been. You're absolutely right. A lot of fun uh, to watch, and then it was a lot of fun to see Rashawn Gary yes. back out there. Yeah, uh, and it was it was even more fun, honestly, to hear him talk about it in yeah. the press conference uh, afterwards. The anti Bosa, 
Yes, how much it meant to him to be out there and look around and see his guys uh, and, and everything uh, was was pretty neat to watch or to pretty neat to hear. Uh, and and also you, he made his presence felt immediately. He flew upfield on the on you know the first Winowich sack. Uh, if he flew upfield and forced McSorley to to sort of uh, try to step up into a pocket that that Winovich was was rapidly collapsing from the other side, uh, and it was fun to see that tandem in action again because we'd miss that because because without Gary defenses can key in on on Winovich and and mm-hmm. he becomes he's still a massively disruptive player but he doesn't get that sort of he's the the two punch to uh to, to Gary's one punch uh, often and, and it was fun to see that that action happen again we even got to see a little bit of um on some of those rush packages they would move him inside and put Uche outside and so you would have Winovich Gary and Uche mm-hmm. all on the same and like that was devastatingly effective. And, you know, the the drive that Penn State kind of got towards the end of the first half where they picked up a couple first downs, they caught us in tempo without that package out there, and that was the only time any of their quarterbacks had to throw all day was really that one sequence. And, in you know, I mean, they picked up like 30 yards or something like that. But, like, I, I mean, to see the flexibility of him being able to move around to those different spots and still have such a huge impact – um, even though it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet, I think that's what he brings that, that we've maybe missed a little bit along the defensive line these last couple of weeks. Uh, okay, so so moving on uh, here from the defense, and frankly, I, like I, I'm actually not all that interested. You guys maybe can correct me uh, here if you want to talk about it, but I'm not all that interested in talking about Rutgers. Uh, Rutgers is a terrible football team that should not be in the Big Ten. Uh, they are among the the worst football teams in the in the country uh, this year. I mean, Harbaugh said, I don't know whether it was on his podcast or, but he's like, well, you know, they're competitive. I mean, they, that's what you really look to see. They really gave Indiana a game there for a minute, and I mean, like if that's if that's where we're at, and I think, and, he, and the problem is he tried to say it with sincerity, and it, and, and it yeah. didn't really. It go Let all me, that well. I'll give you the, the one-minute rundown, and then we can move on from Yeah, Rutgers. please. Yeah, okay, um, perfect, perfect. So S&P Plus, again, looking at the Football Outsiders numbers, they rank 130 teams, okay? So 130th is worse. Uh-huh. Rutgers is 100. Wait, can I guess? Uh, yeah, go ahead and guess. <laughs> well, if they're 100, I was going to say that they are 111th. They are 126th overall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gets better. Gets better. Okay. Offensively, 128th. Rushing offense, 130th. Okay. Passing offense, oh 125th. Defensively, 94th. Uh, they are 114th <laughs> oh. in rushing defense and 75th in passing defense, though I suspect <laughs> that is due to not having to pass the ball a whole lot, probably. <laughs> um, they won their season opener. Uh, they played Texas State. They've lost every game since then. Um, mm-hmm. The one player that they will identify as a key player from my research is Rasheem Blackshear. Uh, he is one of their running backs. He's also their leading receiver. Uh, <laughs> that is based off of somehow he torched Wisconsin last week for 162 yards receiving, um, bringing him to, I believe, 316 on the year, and he's got 437 yards on 100 carries. Um, so, you know, not not nothing, but not uh, crushing it uh, by any means. But but the one thing I wanted to make sure we got to mention, though, is is their passing attack. So um, Artur Sikowski, I'm sure I'm close on that, is their starting quarterback. Um, 15 picks on the year to four touchdowns. His yards per pass attempt, 4.45. Now, if you recall back a couple of weeks, we were talking about where, even last week, I think, McSorley's were, and we put that in context with what O'Corn's were last year, and uh, O'Corn, which was a not-solid performance for this uh, metric, was at 6.2. Uh, this guy is 4, 4.45. Um, mm. So <laughs> I just, I mean, how is this not a repeat of the game two years ago? I, I it, It's got to be. Like, I... It's hard to sit here and say you expect to shut out, but these guys better not score. You know? Well, it's going to be one of those things where 
it's going to be an annoying game, right? Because when it's like, you know, whatever it's going to be, 13 to nothing and the, at the end of the first quarter and Michigan had to settle for some field goals, like they're not going to score every single time they, they touch the ball. I'm not talking every no. possession, but like sure. Michigan fans are going to be thinking that like every single time the ball <laughs> grazes the fingertips of a Michigan player, we're going to score and that they're going to. So, I mean, like it's going to be one of those kind of annoying games. I want to know how Rutgers, how did Northwestern only beat Rutgers by 18 to 15? That's weird. They, uh, classic but, Northwestern game. I, you know, I kind of looked yeah. into it a little bit, and they had to like, they had to battle back. Like they were losing in the fourth quarter of that game. Um, somebody had I, one of the breakdowns I saw talked about they'd kept it close against Wisconsin too, but that's really only in terms of final score. They were down twenty four three. Uh, the okay. fourth quarter yeah. of that game, and they tacked on two meaningless scores. And, and Hornybrook's line in that game was hilarious. He was like, I, th- I want to say like 7 of 14 for like 89 yards yeah. and two picks or something. So, um, But I, to be honest, I, I watched a little of that Rutgers-Northwestern game, and I, there, was a, there was some turnover luck involved. Um, I think Blackshear gave him a little bit of trouble uh, in terms of making, you know, turning a couple of screens into bigger plays. Um, and it was, and some of it was classic Northwestern too, in terms of you know playing down to the level of their opponent. And um, yeah. I didn't see anything there that jumped out as oh, we we need to be aware of this. I mean, I, I give me your guys' takes, but this team seems to strike me as like you know the the revenge tour theme. We're just going to be annoyed that we even have to play this team, and not in yeah. an overlook them sense, but in a take it out and just beat them down type of sense. Um, so I, I mean, I, th- I think the team knows what's in front of them and knows that this is another step on the ladder or on the climb and that they have to accomplish that before they can get to, uh, to the next step. Yeah. That's what I hope. Da- David, do you care? Do you care who wins in Michigan state versus no. Ohio state? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you want to, you want to expound I, a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> He, he, well, no, that's that's I mean that's uh, kind of what so I was going. That's kind of what I was going I, I mean, for, I, though, so right? I mean, for my uh, for my mindset, I want to win the Big Ten. Uh, whatever happens after that is great, uh, and I think if Michigan wins the Big Ten, they'll put themselves in position to accomplish what's after that. But that's that like winning the Big Ten is what I want for this season. Whatever happens after that, cool. And so, yep. you know, you, I think okay. you, you have to be at Ohio State to do that. I think, kind of regardless, if. Michigan State's able to beat them, great. You still have to win that game. <laughs> like, I, you just can't. Mm-hmm. You have to beat Ohio State. If you beat Ohio State, I think you're going to go to the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, so, you know, either way, you know, if Ohio State wins, they're going to be higher ranked, which is going to be look better. If Ohio State loses, then there's a little less pressure, like, to, to, to win that, to, to get to the Big Ten Championship, but you have to, you have to beat Ohio State. So, would you argue, and I'm just thinking of this as you're discussing this, David, so I'm back of the napkin a little bit here. Would you argue that if Ohio State loses, okay, so Michigan could lose to Ohio State and get into the Big Ten championship game, um, does that give Michigan a better shot at fair officiating in Columbus, knowing that the only hope for the Big Ten having a playoff contender is that team? versus Ohio State still being ranked in the top 10 in a one-loss team because people are going to start start arguing, okay, that a one-loss this Ohio is State... so down the hole well, of it conspiracy. Is, it is. But you know well, I'm I mean, right. Got, you know I'm right. They did it to us two got, years ago. Uh, you know? Examples, like you just have to look to last year, where I think their, the, the method of their loss has kind of put them out. Like so, yes. you know, we saw them win the win the Big I'm Ten. I'm purely arguing this from the oh, yeah, no, tinfoil hat I could, wearing I could, I could officiating see that scenario, But I think yes, I would be less inclined to believe that this year after seeing how the committee did it last year. Like like Ohio State got pantsed, you know, last year by Iowa. Still yes. won the Big Ten. Yeah, especially especially because they're not going to be playing an undefeated Wisconsin team this year if that happens, right? Correct. They're, Correct. they're probably going to be playing Northwestern, which. Ugh. Uh, is not going to be a resume mm-hmm. builder. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd be surprised, but I think, you know, Ohio State could have one win and Michigan could be the only team in the Big Ten with a shot. We're still going to get railed in that state. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Yeah, I, that's why I want them to lose. I, I don't, I, like, 
I want Ohio State to lose <laughs> every game. And so, like, if they lose, then here's here's my, my thought process, right, is, is if, if Ohio State loses this game, then if everything, all things remain equal and Michigan ends up beating Rutgers and beating Indiana, right, um, they can they can lose in Columbus and still go to the Big Ten championship game. And now, obviously, you're not going to go to the playoffs. But correct. Like, correct. I mean, I've got my math. I've got my math there right. That is, is correct. That, is that right? Yeah. Um, and so, I while David, while I agree completely with David that the uh, that that any championship that involves not beating Ohio State is is a very very hollow thing, right? And, and uh, David, I think you're that that's kind of mm-hmm. in some ways what you're saying, um, it, you know. But like. Look, if you know, I don't think it matters necessarily that Ohio State is two loss Ohio State or one loss Ohio State. The committee is going to look at them the exact same way. Yeah, um, you know they got pantsed against Purdue. They're not very good they're, this year. They're Have you seen not them play. A, yeah, they're not right? a playoff and, contender. I, I could have phrased right. that probably a little better than I did. The, Ohio State is so not I, in contention for this as far as the playoff goes. Right. Right, so I think some really wacky things are going to have to happen should Michigan um, win out, regardless of what Ohio State does, uh, and have them miss the playoffs. Right, a lot of people start talking about like if Alabama drops one to Georgia, um, and and some other scenarios that that may play out. And, and I love entertaining all of those. I told Scott earlier this week I've spent ten years not <laughs> not thinking about. Uh, playoff scenarios and how we get back into the BCS because Michigan has sucked for that long. I'm ready to play that game in my head, and I'm and I'm playing it. I don't. The team has to be focused on Rutgers. I don't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm thinking about how you know we we beat Alabama or how we move off that four line so that we can play Clemson and knock the shit out of them before we play Alabama. Um, to, uh, so like you know <laughs> to, to answer your question, David is I, absolutely. If I hear David one is, more is, thing is, about <laughs> fucking Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> we have won in Columbus to, to once to this answer, century. To, we, I want. I cannot. There is nothing past that game. Nothing. I want yeah, blood in I, that game. I, I, I need that game to answer. To answer your original question, Vaston, I don't think it matters who wins for our um, playoff chances or however you want it to. I, I think Michigan is a hundred percent in control of its own destiny at this point. Right. Um, so, um, I think Ohio State's going to win the game because I just don't think Michigan yeah. State's going to be able to. Uh, I, I have a hard time envisioning them uh, scoring enough to keep up with Ohio State, and I, I, I just don't see their defense slowing them down to the point where they. I think it'll be a close game, but I think Ohio State wins. I, it'll set up a top ten matchup in Columbus, but I, I yeah. you know, um. A twelve and one Michigan, who's a Big Ten champion, is better than a one loss Alabama. So the oh, scenario I see, the first, I see, yeah, I who see lost this, the first game of the season yeah. against another playoff team. Like, that's, I, uh, the, like come the, on. the the people who I've heard who the, the correct me if I'm wrong, but the scenario most people are concerned about is what if Georgia wins out and beats Alabama in the SEC right. championship game? Then Bama's out. That's your de facto playoff game yes. for those two teams. Bama's out. Should, and should here's be. a hot take for you. Everyone's crowning Bama already. They've played exactly who? A two-loss LSU team, right? Ain't I, played nobody. They ain't, ain't played, played nobody. nobody. They ain't played How nobody. How many times has Alabama made it in without even playing in the championship? I, 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 th- That's, I think they, should, last year. they yeah. shouldn't be in. I think if that happens, I yeah. think they are. And that's why I'm not. Th- that's why well, I'm not. You, then, then wouldn't you argue that you want Ohio State to win this game Saturday because you want them ranked as highly as yes. possible? But I'm okay. taking the attitude that the playoff is dumb and stupid, and it I is. cannot waste my my <laughs> capital is. of my thought space trying to figure out what's going to happen in like two months with some jackasses in a room. When if this was eight teams, we would have this would be no problem. This would be just you'd have the yeah. you'd have the conference champions. Here's the real hot take. I think Clemson has the least impressive resume of all yeah. the top but, four but teams. But the problem is when it's four teams, by some you're margin, you're not gonna like they're just not gonna click. You know, an undefeated Clemson out that's been in the playoff the last four years, even though that shouldn't matter for this year. It it, no. it will. 
And that's the same thing with Alabama. Yeah. They've gotten way more chances than they deserve, and they've made good on plenty of those, and that's what's going to carry – that would carry them through. That was, that's the problem. Yeah. And you see that I, set up with – I don't think the TV executives are going to let a 12-1 and Michigan with Jim Harbaugh as their head coach. There's no that's, way they're that's keeping That's what them I think the series could be, but you can see them setting that up by still having LSU ranked number seven, by having – Florida still still that's ranks, a joke. Period. That's a total joke. Oh, that's yeah, so, such a joke. Like propped yeah, up by on. Florida, Anyways. still being competent, excusing that loss. But it's it's like, you know, should and will are are different things here, unfortunately, and that's why I can't. That's why I can't focus yeah. on it too much because it's just, yeah. Predictions for Rutgers. Lots of points to to not, Dave. Not many points. Uh, I'm gonna go. I think I feel a sad field goal in here at some point just because of some <laughs> some vagaries of something. Uh, so I'm going to go 55 to 3 is going to be my. All right. I like it. Mastin? Uh I think it's going to be. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be 48, uh, 48 to. 48 to 7. I think Rutgers is going to do something stupid on special teams and score a touchdown. I think we're going to do a very respectful 49 nothing. I think we shut okay. up. Okay. Uh so yeah, looking looking forward to it. <laughs> David's itching his prospecting beard <laughs> yes. and it's just really freaking me out. <laughs> All right, congratulations to coach Beeline on his 800th win. Uh, Absolutely. Right. Basketball basketball is uh, is upon us, but it is so much fun to be in the thick of a football season and not have to be like, well, basketball's <laughs> on. Uh, exactly. <laughs> to feel exactly. to feel good about Michigan. So oh, so man. we're gonna we're gonna keep trucking on this football thing. But uh, uh, other than other uh, than than that, I guess uh, guys, go blue. We'll t- we'll talk to you. I'm sure Saturday we'll talk to you guys uh, next go week. Blue. Go blue. Go blue.